I mean, since the race issues, since that came up, and I, I it was not like a point of this conversation, but I also know that that's a big part of my class, and we have a lot of discussions about it. And with everything going on, I figured there was a good chance that we would stumble onto this issue, um, though it wasn't really the point of of this this episode or whatever. But I'm I'm going to ask a question, and I guess you know, stopping short of getting me fired, but I'm going to ask you for honest feedback. Like I'm a white male teacher who grew up in a relatively rural area with very, very little diversity. Like I, when I was 17, I couldn't have imagined walking into a building like the school that I work at, you know, and, mm-hmm. and something I've been saying in like, you know, teacher Twitter chats or whatever, um, <laughs> as people, you know, anti-racism is the word of the week. And I just keep reminding people because people keep talking about like, well, I do this lesson or I do this activity and I don't mean to be preachy, but it maybe I, I hope it doesn't come off this way, but I, I, I've been trying to say like, you know, the idea of anti-racism isn't like a spot treatment. It's not something you can just do one. Like, it's got to be like a vaccine. It's got to be something that you do early and you do often, or right. it doesn't have any impact. You know, and people said, how, mm-hmm. how should I engage in a discussion about the race and protests and all this stuff now? And I'm like, if you haven't talked about it all year, I'm going to advise you not to say much about it now because it's, it's a weird time to try to enter into that conversation. And I know that maybe in a math class that maybe has to work differently, but I feel like a lot of class, you know, is rhetoric and persuasion, but the topics that we address in my class uh, have a lot to do with ethics and justice. And a lot of that comes back to race and socioeconomic issues. So again, stopping, you know, if it's up to you, you answer however you want, try not to get me fired, but uh, give me feedback, you know, in a class where we do address a lot of the issues, but that means we're also addressing touchy stuff. Like I'm looking at some of the things that people are called out for recently on social media. And I'm like, wow, we did that like five times in my class. But I, th- my per- I think I'm, we're trying to do it well and it's purposeful and the rest, but doesn't mean I'm right. In regard to addressing social action or justice or race in schools, how, do, how does my class go? And you can, you can be critical here because I, I don't want to do this in the abstract. Like we need to kind of do stuff. Like let's talk about a class we both know, what right. worked and what didn't. Like what should I do differently? Okay. First, to respond to what you said earlier, I would say that you're right. It does need to be kind of like a vaccine. I feel like a lot of what school does is response to something instead of preventing it from even happening in the first place. So for example, like everything that's been happening in the media and everything, that could have been prevented had this always been a conversation rather than wait for it to become a conversation and then send like a PR statement to everyone like after. I would say for your class, that was actually something I was thinking about a lot because I have never had a class where we discussed race and racism and any like social issues so much until I entered your class. And I would say that one thing I really liked about it was the push on discussion. I think it made everyone feel like they had a voice that needed to be heard. I would say maybe the structure of how you have the discussion. Sometimes it's very obvious which way a class is thinking. Everyone kind of has the same thought and it's just like reiterated over and over and over. And there's not always enough representation of the other side because sometimes we talk about racism oh yes everyone agrees it's wrong so if everyone agrees it's wrong why does it exist in the first place that's always like the thing that we miss in class because you ask us for our opinions and of course no one's going to outright say like oh yeah racism is okay but were it not okay like were if everyone had that thought in the first place it wouldn't be something we were constantly discussing and constantly facing right Mm -hmm. so i think there's always somebody whoever it may be in a class who has like an opposing thought on whatever it may be, but perhaps they don't feel comfortable sharing it because they know that there's some sort of backlash or they're going to be perceived differently by their classmates. So maybe creating an environment where 
And this won't happen immediately, of course, but it's just a normal thing. We discuss whatever our opinions are, however different they may be, and it becomes common. Somebody disagrees with you, how do you resolve it? How do you talk about it? And how do you learn from it? You know, and that actually, that varies a lot year to year and class to class. It depends a lot on like the composition of the people in the room. I've had classes before where I have to do no work to get the disagreement because either the people are outspoken enough or comfortable enough or whatever it is, and both sides just sort of start firing and, and it works okay. I mean, not that anyone's ever like arguing for racism, but you know, it's one of those right. things like everyone acknowledges that's a problem, but maybe people disagree on the severity or the solution kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And in some classes, it's very difficult to get people to to speak up in those ways. And again, I'm not I'm not big on like you know quotas. I don't think we need to be counting the number of students. But over the last few years, I've had far fewer male students in AP Lang. You know, I have a class that's 24 people and it's four four males. And while in a lot of ways that doesn't matter, when you address certain issues, it it does. Like you want different people with different perspectives and different experiences and and all that. Right. And so something, and I say this in class a lot, and I do it, but it's also a hard one to do, especially say with an issue like race, and maybe especially in the last couple of years when I think the discussion has gotten more pointed and and maybe in many ways is more serious or more clear. I always try to say that as we enter into whatever conversation, I'm just going to say what I think we need to do to get class running or get the discussion going. And that sometimes I'm going to play devil's advocate. And I try, I mean, I'm sure plenty of times my bias is clear in ways I'm not trying to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. but I try to withhold my opinion until the end because I don't want people to just sit in the room and agree with me. Like my job is to help you to think better, to write better. My job is not to tell you what to think or what to write. And so I try to do that, but even in say playing devil's advocate or trying to get on the side of the person who seems like that's the minority opinion in the room. I agree. I think it's hard to get people to speak freely if, if they have Mm -hmm. concern about blowback. Like, I, I don't want to get away from my class too much, but I'm going to bring up something that another, te- I've heard several teachers say this, but another teacher said this recently to me in confidence, so I won't name them, but it's a person who I think they're a little bit older and maybe has a different view on race or on the recent protests, but it's also a person who I think their heart is in the right place. Mm-hmm. And the concern is as a white teacher, they say, you know, I want to do these things. And I want to use these texts in class. But now I have this concern that if I read of mice and men and the N word is in it, like, if I have to worry that I'm going to be in the newspaper or that if I'm going to get fired or be publicly shamed, I'm just not going to read that book anymore. And as a result, that means you don't have a conversation. And while I want to tell that person, like the whole point is to have a productive conversation, to be open to help people do better. I also understand that concern is that if you want to have the hard conversation, it means you actually have to say something specific. You know, like you said, when you make that public, that PR statement, it's all just, you know, platitudes that sound nice, but don't really mean anything. If you want to have the real conversation, you actually have to say something, but that potentially opens you up to criticism. And, you know, so I don't mean to make a discussion about race in schools about white teachers, but I mean, the reality is most teachers are white in the country. And so if we want to make a big change, those people have to engage in these conversations. I want to say, just do the right thing and have that conversation to make sure it's clear to your students the purpose and the goals. You're not doing it to check a box. You're doing it because you think it's important. You want to do this. But I also understand the teacher who says, I've got six years left to retirement and I'm not going to jeopardize my pension to read this book just to get yelled at. But in your mind, what's the right way to go about that? Like I'm very direct. Like we're reading Frederick Douglass. We're reading Mark Twain. We're reading Malcolm X. We're we're just going to do this. But that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do either. Like what's the right balance? Should we just get better at having tough conversations or is there an appropriate balance? I mean, no one person's opinion can really represent everyone's opinion. So I'll just tell you what I think. Um, well, I t- I tell you, and, and hey, real quick, I don't, I don't, and I, sorry for cutting you off. 
I don't know if this changes your perception, but I agree. No one person should ever be responsible for speaking to all the other people. Like that's, that's why the idea of a president is stupid. You know, you can't have one person who speaks for 320 <laughs> million people. It's insane. I'm scheduled to talk to a former student who took a, I think took AP Lang and she's, it's a black wo- young woman who I think she's graduating or is about to graduate from Duke, like very bright. She's doing great. She actually contacted me separate, not a podcast issue and said, what do you think about the public statement? What do you think about what's going on? I want, you know, and just because she knew we had these conversations in class. And so she and I are scheduled to talk about some of this in a few days. So to a certain extent, I don't want you to feel like what you're going to say becomes like the gospel. And this is always the talk (laughs) that I would reference for podcasts. Like diverse opinions are good. So speak for yourself. Okay. You know, you don't have to talk for anyone else. What do you think is the right way to do this? So for myself, what I've been seeing recently, like a lot of what I've been seeing has been like, this person did this and then they're like outed on social media. Everyone is like very angry about it. And I think that the anger itself is justified. Yes. But all of it is coming from a place of blame. For example, like based off of like students and stuff, this student said the N word on their, whatever social media platform, somebody has evidence of it. It's posted on social media. There's millions of comments of students saying like, Oh, this person needs to be rescinded from their college. This person should be kicked out of school. So on and so forth. After you do that, though, then what is the question? So I think that right now we're stuck in this mindset of, I want to blame this person. I want temporary relief for what racism has done to our country. But then after that temporary relief is gone, you look back and you realize that nothing has changed. That person's perception has not changed. Whether or not they think it's the right thing to do has not changed. So I think in terms of intent, that matters a lot. If you're in a classroom setting, I think that the discussion of race and racism should not be something so sensitive that we're quick to be angry at a teacher or a student or quick to blame somebody for what they've done. I think we have to switch our mentality to be, has this person done something wrong? Maybe, yes, right? How do we educate them so that they don't do the same thing again? Not how do we punish them now? And so that we feel this relief, like, oh, I have done something for this cause. Because in reality, we haven't done anything. I don't know. It's like a, a great... Dewey quote, I have somewhere up in my classroom, but failure is instructive. A thinking person learns quite as much from his failures as from his successes. And I think it's one of those things like to your earlier point that maybe the person who's in the minority on, on a tough issue just doesn't speak up, you know, and it's why you don't want to put someone on the spot. Like if you can't speak honestly, you're not going to learn from it. It's like, I go back and forth on the idea of a microaggression because aggressive, like by its literal definition, aggression means that you're attacking someone, you're, you're doing it with malice or bad intent. The idea of a microaggression is that there probably was no intent, that it was like the incidental stupid thing the person said. Regardless of how we label it, yes, that should be addressed. And yes, when people's biases, particularly negative biases pop out, we should say something, like we should do something about it. But I also don't know, to your point, if you know doxing this person all over social media and trying to ruin their life or at least ruin their next month, I don't know if that does anything, particularly if that person's original actor statement was made out of ignorance and not out of malice. Like the point of ending ignorance is you have to figure out what someone doesn't know or didn't realize and help them to better understand it. If someone does it with malice, with the intent of hurting someone else, that's different. If we want to ruin somebody over malice, maybe that's okay. But I think where it's just someone who is 15 and an idiot on Snapchat uh, it doesn't mean that it's okay, but maybe that's more of a teachable moment than a punishable one. Right. Um, and it doesn't mean at the same time, I don't want to give anybody a free pass. Like, that's not the point, but we've got to figure out, like, what do we want? Like, do we just want to punish people or do we want to make it better? And sometimes those go together. 
but yeah, I mean, I've, I've been watching all the same stuff, you know, the, the student call outs from the different schools in the area. There's been, you know, some teacher call outs, you know, at local schools. And as I read through them, I, I find myself thinking half of these are really deserving of the public shaming. Like, but I also say that as a white person where, you know, I don't feel personally offended by it. And so it's, it's hard for mm-hmm. me to say what the appropriate course is, but I feel like there's probably a productive way to handle it. And I don't know if we always do that. Well, I think there's so many things that are in the background of it. So like how you said, like, oh, I don't feel like personally offended. That could be a problem in itself. Maybe constantly being surrounded by people who say like, oh, if you say that, like, it doesn't offend me. It makes them think that it's okay. And then they might like go to. Well, no, and and I don't want to say, I don't want to say like, I find it offensive, but it's like, if I watch someone throwing knives and I'm like, that's not good. Like, don't do that. But seeing the knife thrown somewhere else I'm no happier about it being thrown somewhere else than thrown at me. But in the end, I only got stabbed one time. You know what I mean? And so it's, yeah. it's the difference between like seeing the danger and saying this is wrong mm-hmm. versus being the direct recipient of it. I don't, I don't want to say like, oh, it doesn't offend me. I'm not bothered. I am bothered. But I, I, I'm guessing I think I'm bothered in a different way than maybe right. you would be, than maybe another student would be, you know? Yeah. Um, and so and that's why it's hard because it's like it's hard enough to speak for myself in this situation so how do you speak for others? How do you speak yeah. for other people? You know, how do I represent <laughs> what I think is a, a good teacher perspective? Uh, yeah. You know, when sometimes it's hard to figure out for your own perspective. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I would say that for me, I think that for these students to be, I don't know, what's the word for it? Like to be like shamed on social media. I think, yeah, I think the, the slang for it, maybe it's a real word now is doxed, right? Where I've you're, never heard that. Doxing, <laughs> D-O-X, is, it's like where you're exposed publicly. People say, you know, here's your name, here's your email address, here's your accounts, and then everyone yeah. knows how to find you and shame you. And then and the that. people are like deleting their accounts, so on and so forth. First, it might create resentment of those people to the people who are doxing them, I suppose. And then on top of that, it will cause other people to still hold the same mindset that this is okay, but I'm not going to do it in public because I don't want the same thing to happen to me. I think it's better to be blatantly incorrect and then to be corrected than to hold that incorrectness within yourself and then pretend to be something else outwardly. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but I also, you know, I always feel like you have to be careful explaining that because it doesn't mean I want somebody to just let fly with racism or sexism or homophobia, just a a snake in the middle of your driveway. Well, right, but expressing it. Yeah, it's just, you know, the snake in the grass is more dangerous than the snake out in the open, so to speak. And so it's like, well, I do want to know where it is and where it's coming from. I'm thinking, you know, as a teacher, I also don't want to promote an obviously offensive or malicious discussion. Like there's a tricky balance when you're trying to facilitate that discussion is is I want everyone to be comfortable, but I only want everyone to be comfortable to a certain point, (laughs) you know, because while we want to do this the right way, there's a there comes a point where we create more harm than good. And that's kind of the hard part is, is creating what is the right balance. And I don't know if there is a right answer. Yeah, I think the right balance to me would be creating an environment where it really is not okay to do it. Or if it is done, if anything racist, sexist, anything is done, then it's corrected then. Because yeah. what I got from a lot of what LCPS says was, oh, this is an anti-racist environment. We don't promote racism. First of all, no school will promote racism outwardly. But I think by not taking action in terms of how their classroom structure is set up or some like some tangible thing, then indirectly they are promoting it because they're showing students that if you do these actions or if you say these things, nothing will happen to you. You will not learn from it and you will not be punished for it. Handle it at home or don't. 
That's yeah. what I got from that. Yeah. And it's, it's, well, you don't want to defend the people who are doing wrong. You're also like, as a large public institution, maybe you're not in the position to like call out individuals and, and mm-hmm. add to the shaming. I don't know. That's like a weird political situation that is both above my pay grade, but also not the right way to handle it. Like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, passing legislation, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, like these are important things, obviously, but like Mm -hmm. changing legislation doesn't change how people feel inside. You know, it doesn't change the way people think, at least not in an immediate sense, maybe in the long term. And so, you know, if I'm the superintendent or if I'm on a school board, as much as I get to steer policy, I probably have less impact on individual people's feelings. In my mind, it's why this is important that it goes back into the classroom because mm-hmm. individual students and individual teachers are going to be able to do this better than anybody sitting in an office who, yeah, sure, you can blast an email out to you know 150,000 people, but in the end, how many of those people did you actually get to engage with beyond one angry phone call? You know, And, and that's where it has to be done more personally, but mm-hmm. that means that we need to the teachers and students need to find ways to do that productively as a teacher. Like how would you promote these types of discussions? It's, it's hard because you have to do it authentically. I mean, to say this for myself, like I'll just say family members. I don't want like my family to suddenly get weird emails from people who listen to the podcast, but like I have members of my family who are pretty solidly racist. Like I've never seen it in a malicious way, but it's just, there's just this strong bias against or for or whatever. And so growing up, like I sort of had the sense like that's wrong. But I didn't, I, I couldn't put things into really good context because I went to a very white school. And like when I went to college in, at James Madison, I mean, it was still a predominantly white school, but I started taking anthropology classes on race and ethnicity and demographics. And I took some African-American literature courses. And I mean, I just, I, my, my understanding of the world expanded significantly. And the things that I cared about or the ways that I thought we could make the world better changed a lot. And so for me, no one ever had to tell me you should address race in your English class. It's just, I have the opportunity to pick, I can just pick the books, right? And, and I say this all the time when we get some of the micromanagement from above, do this or teach this in your class. And I always say, you know, it's fine, but we talk a lot about the word authenticity. If the teacher doesn't believe in what they're teaching, they're not going to teach it well. And if, if the teacher is not quote unquote selling it, students aren't going to buy it, you know? And, and so as much as yes, we should provide some materials and some framework and we need to train the teachers. I think a lot of it has to do with just getting the right people in the classroom in the first place. And, and that's, it's probably not a good answer, you know, to be honest, I just, I can't imagine taking a staff of a school and grab all the teachers and asking them to suddenly change their perspective, facilitate this discussion differently. And, you know, and it's like, and hand them a new novel. Like if we all read this, we'll have a better conversation. Like, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't try. I'm not saying that that's not a thing we do. I just don't know that you're going to get an authentic conversation that works. And, 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 you know, I'm going to say this just referencing myself in my class. Like, I don't know. I know it doesn't always go well. And I know that not everyone loves the conversations that we have. So I I don't want to make like a blanket statement, but I think one of the reasons that the conversations do work and that the books do work is because I try to be very clear and honest about the intent and why I think these things are important. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's also why sometimes we run into like a touchier subject. I think I get called out. Or, you know, I, I get the email from the parent or whatever less often than another teacher might, because I think the, the intent is clear, like I'm sincere and we're trying to do this well. And so if we ever stray into a place where it didn't go well, I have students who will talk to me quietly at the end of class and be like, hey, here's what just happened or here's how that felt. Whereas if they thought I was less sincere, I think I'd be more likely to get an angry parent email or I'd be sitting in the office talking to the principal. And for that reason, I think it's, it's a hard balance 
like I, I'm always trying to be cautious, but honest, you know, mm-hmm. but for a person who doesn't have that sincere concern, I don't know if they're going to have the conversation. Well, I, I don't know. But the problem with that to me is you can't like teach sincerity to teachers. So if it depends class to class, then some students will be getting this wonderful education about any social issue and then others won't. And then this issue just continues. Yeah. Well, and that, that's, that's why I say like, I, I'm not saying that training isn't important, but um, you know, we did a diversity training in the spring and it was, it was a nice attempt, but I didn't feel real great about it. And uh, I know some of the other teachers um, and now I'm thinking specifically a couple of the the black teachers in the building were very underwhelmed. Not that they thought mm-hmm. it was terrible. I just, they just didn't think it was very productive. And I, I tended to agree with them, but it's like, you got to do something, but what do you do? And that's why I think a big part of this is, is getting the right people into the classroom. Like you're never going to be a teacher, but you would be a good one if you chose to be. And, you know, I don't want to make anything about specifically like say like teacher pay or whatever, but you have to attract the right people to the profession. And so to a certain extent, I think the hiring process or how we get people into teacher education programs for the long term is important because this isn't something we're probably going to change in the span of a year. And so if you want to make an institutional change, you have to change the structure of that institution. You need to get the right people in those positions. And so I, that's, that's a, it's a bad answer. Cause it sounds like I'm punting. Like, it sounds like I'm like, Oh, you just deal with it later. But like you do what you can and you deal with it now. But I think if you're serious about it, you, you start making yeah. long-term decisions and staffing and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I, after I saw, actually it was right before, like an hour before the first email that LCPS sent, I emailed because I was like, what is going to do like to address this issue? And then like an hour later, the superintendent sent the email and he was like, oh, I don't know if you saw it. Um, you can like check it out. And then if not, like give me a call and we can talk about it. So then I emailed him back and I was like, yeah, I'd like to talk to you. And so for the past few days, I've just been brainstorming to myself, like how do you really like impact these students within a classroom when there's these kinds of like of social issues? So I, I don't know. I've just been thinking to myself for the past few days because I'm going to call him later today to talk about it. And I was thinking maybe like utilizing or utilizing counseling instead of just class to class. Because I was also thinking, your class was like a high level English class for our year. So are academic students going to be getting the same level of discussion? I I sure try, but the discussion goes differently with different kids in the room. Like we do um, the stronger readers or, I mean, anyone can choose, but for some of the stuff that we would do, say in AP, I give them the option to read the Walter Dean Myers abridged version of the autobiography of Malcolm X. Uh, I mean, anyone who wants to read the whole thing can, but it's it's much longer. So I give them the abridged, you know, young adult version or the narrative of Frederick Douglass. We do about half of the same race articles that you guys get. Things that are important to read or think about should be there for everyone. And the conversations sometimes are are really, really good, but it does go very differently, you know, and that's right. just, that's the same teacher working with some of the same materials. You swap out the kids in the room or the motivation or even just the reading levels and it does go differently. Um, and I don't, I don't want to speak for, you know, my school or, you know, I, I'm not trying to speak for anyone else, but I, I will tell you that I think that our principal is taking this very seriously because I he agree. did, he did reach out in a department meeting earlier in the week and just sort of said, you know, what do you guys think? You're the English department. You have more of these talks than most of the other classes. You read the books, you do whatever. And he basically, he was he, now I know he's probably referencing you and said, I've had a few students reach out and, you know, we're, 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 di- we're dissatisfied with certain statements and with whatever. 
it was it was the right thing because it was a genuine question. I would love, and I don't mean this as criticism of him. I, I say this all the time in class. When I, like I think as far as administrators go, he's the best one I know. But he asked a very sincere question is, what should we say? What do we do? Because I feel like we need to say something, but I want to make sure, you know, because he's also in this situation where he's got to make a little bit of a political decision here and how this, how a wide variety of parents and families react. Um, But the fact that there was this sincere consideration and then sort of crowdsourcing, going to the staff and saying, what are your experiences? What should we say? I don't know. But I, I, I respect him for doing that because I think sometimes people ask you a question and you just, you know, your answer. And sometimes people ask and you only know part of your answer. And there was the sincere follow through of, of talking with other teachers and faculty in the building, which is good. I don't know what the end result will be, but you know, okay. I think that's a big part of it is you got you to bring in those different perspectives. And so whatever you guys end up talking about, my, my guess, my expectation is that he's put in a bunch of thought because I know that that came up several days ago and it came yeah. up again today, you know? And I mean, that, that's the minimum, that's the minimum you can ask for is that people take concern seriously, you know, and, and we can ask for a lot more than that, but the bare minimum is that you take it seriously and you actually engage with it. You don't brush it off. And I think we're at least starting to see that from more people. Yeah. I think all around, I was talking with some of my friends cause I was like, what was it about this incident of police brutality that stimulated this much conversation across all platforms in within families within like the news just everywhere like why was it this one that suddenly like everyone was like we've had enough which i think is wonderful because i've noticed the same thing a lot of people are taking the time to learn more about the black lives matter movement learning more about racism racial issues in america but i kept like i don't even know the answer myself like why this one yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I, I was talking about that with someone this morning, actually. Um, like for me, the one like I'd had these concerns probably since, I don't know, 15 years ago, somewhere around the end of college, like I started to get serious about some of this. And I don't know, five, I don't know what it was, five, six years ago, I don't remember. Um, Eric Garner in New York for selling the loose cigarettes and then he's on the ground. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. That was for me. That was the one where I was like, okay, there's there's no going back. And these were already, you know, discussions we were having in class, but it was at that point, like I made very purposeful, like I now have a PowerPoint about race riots. Like we have, you know, and it's not so much, it's just, it's something that happens and it happens so often that that's, that was the moment when I was like, we can't treat this like it's a unit to be done one time. Like this has to be an ongoing thing. And I don't know what that necessarily, why that was that way for me, but you're right. I think that the current, the current climate, whatever it is, people have latched on. 